Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome, everyone, to yet another episode of The Bobo and Flex Show. My name is Bobo, and I'm your host, and I'm with the beautiful Flex, also known as Flex Mommy on the internet. Today, we're having a crucial conversation about self-love. Because we came across a tweet, actually Flex came across this tweet and we just have to dissect it for an entire episode because it's actually, it's just, the tea is that, that hot. (laughs) So the tweet is, don't let this tainted self-love trend have you 50 and alone because you walked away from everything that didn't serve you instead of learning conflict resolution. And this is exactly what I mean when I say that Twitter feminism will kill you. Twitter feminism (laughs) will have you out here depressed, fam. But yeah, (laughs) Flex, let's dissect this tweet. Because where do we actually draw the line between self-preservation and walking away from a situation versus let's conflict resolution this situation and actually come out as better people? Like, where do we draw that line? I think I personally do a really good job by being both turbo in protecting my spaces and also wasting my time. (laughs) I think that's a beautiful cross-section. You are happy to waste your time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that means that I'm not just cutting off anyone as soon as they don't meet me at the level. I love it. Or as soon as they're not, you know, as soon as they don't meet me at my level of persuasion either, I just give them some more time to waste more of my time. And then sometimes they meet me halfway. Sometimes they don't. Yeah. But this tweet is very interesting because the comments in the tweet were also very telling of people going, and this is what I'm saying. And this is what I'm saying. It's like, but nobody was having that conversation no before or to, on a public scale before this tweet really made us think about how we're not really being precise about the language of self-love. We talk, we use very vague terms like harm reduction, protecting your space, you know, cutting off bullshit. But realistically on a day-to-day level, how do we action that in a way that is conducive to not creating just, you know, more, um, larger echo chambers and also let's clarify that 50 and alone isn't the bad thing here we're not giving you this advice so you end up married or coupled at 50 no it's more so have we done a terrible job at yeah at conflict resolution because we can't figure out when to stay and fight or when to fold and fuck off yeah and as a generation do we just not have standards anymore i think maybe we've gone so far into being liberal Mm. And so into like self-preservation that the standards of like, let's actually fight for things have absolutely just dissipated. Absolutely. And I think that we play a huge role in this as well, because I'm very mindful that the people with the loudest, um, the loudest voices or the loudest conversations are about of self-love are in a place of affluence Like, we're in a place where we have a platform, we're validated constantly, you know, our lifestyles are conducive to 
um, us, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Us practicing self-love because so much of it is in a good place. Right. Like, so I'm also very aware that we're biased in this whole self-love thing. Like, of course, it's easy to love yourself when you've got 50,000 people saying that you're amazing all the time or validating your experience. Oh, my God, actually. Um, so don't come for me. I'm self-aware. <laughs> Um, I actually never <laughs> thought of it that way, but that's so real. Yeah, of course. Like there is this, 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 this yeah, it's no coincidence. It's real. Yeah. Um, but I want to start with um, my first uh, query mm. on self-love. What is it, <laughs> in your opinion, <laughs> what is self-love? Wow, a question. Is that like knowing you're cute? Is that like... You know what? I think self-love is self-awareness. I think the two are synonymous because I think once you know yourself, you have no choice but to love yourself. Because when you know yourself, you understand that you are infinite, you are celestial, effervescent, and capable of all things, um, and that you all of your worth comes from within. So I think once you like fully understand that, but not as a concept, because I think a lot of us understand that like intellectually, we understand it as a concept because we've read all the books, we've read all of the sunflowers mm. tweets, we've we've watched all the videos on YouTube. And so we understand conceptually that we are incredible, but we don't actually live that and we don't actually breathe that and we don't experience that. So I think self-love is experiencing yourself fully yeah yeah what would you what what is self-love for you it's tricky because I, I was trying to write down a list of things but they all seemed like they were subject to change based on my mood <laughs> um and I really couldn't figure it out so because I know and I know like is it rooted in ego is it rooted in confidence is it narcissism yeah like, what is self-love and I couldn't figure out so I had to do what I always do and I just go on psychologytoday.com I love that uh, they I wish need this to sponsor was sponsored you. I need because them. that's literally that's just like how I get through the world like what does psychology today say I love it um but this article um called a seven-step prescription for self-love by uh, Dr. Deborah Koshaba. Mm. She says that self-love is a state of appreciation for oneself that grows from actions that support our physical, psychological, and spiritual growth. Can I get an amen love one it. time and two times? I love it. Self-love is dynamic. It grows by actions that mature us. When we act in ways that expand self-love in us, we begin to accept much better our weaknesses as well as our strengths have less need to explain away our shortcomings, mm. have compassion for ourselves as human beings struggling to find personal meaning, are more centered in our life purpose and values and expect living fulfillment through our own efforts. Wow. You know why I love that definition? That's so just much. one paragraph. <laughs> I, I love that because it implies that love is an action and not a feeling. Mm. Yes. And that is probably not something that we're talking about. No. Do you think loving yourself is more of an action and then the feeling comes after? Or do you think you must first feel love and then your actions will reflect that? Well, I, I've, I, said, I think I said it in a few episodes ago. I think love is a choice and Ooh. that's why I don't subscribe to unconditional love. I definitely think there are ways in which you can experience the effects of love subconsciously, like the dopamine hits, the serotonin and all that fucking shit. But also I think the act of choosing to love someone is more conscious than you think. Ooh. And that is why we can rationalize being in love with cooked people. 
<laughs> because we perform what it is to know better, but we don't do better. But what about, I think with romantic love, it's less of a choice because there's the idea of the fall, that you're falling in love as opposed to actively choosing. Or maybe you're choosing love on such a subconscious level that it feels like a fall, but in reality, it's a choice. But think about most things. Like, you know, when I'm thirsty and dehydrated and I need water, I can know that I'm thirsty and choose not to hydrate. Therefore, I'll convince myself I'm not thirsty and I need not hydrate. Mm. It's more conscious than you think, you know. But um, it go, I want to go back to what you said earlier about self-love requiring self-awareness. Yeah. I think this paragraph, this, you know, monologue, does or whatever you want to call it, does confirm that you do need self-awareness. And as we know, self-awareness isn't just knowing what you're doing, but it's knowing what you're doing and why you do it. Bitch, speak on it. Speak on it. You know, we we all know that we, we aspire for success and better jobs and better relationships, better life experiences, better platonic relationships. But why? Why? Why does it matter? And why do you put so much emphasis on those things? And I guarantee most people don't know. It's just the process of being. Oh, my God, I can't. So what we're saying here that self-love is less about like loving your fat rolls and loving your crooked teeth and not minding your acne and more so about getting away from what your vessel looks like and more about what your vessel does for you and how you feed into it to make sure it works better for you. Yeah, and actually understanding why. I think a lot of times where we go wrong with self-love is that let's let's use body image for an exa- as an example sure. because I think it's something probably all of us can relate to. So let's say you say, I am bloated all the time and I hate my bloatedness. I hate my stomach because I'm bloated all the time. I think an act of self-love is not convincing yourself that your bloated stomach is beautiful regardless of what everyone has to say. The act of self-love is sitting down with yourself and being very clear and trying to unpack why it is that you feel the way you do against your bloated stomach. And once you understand why, you don't have to reject the feeling of hatred. Instead, you can lean into that feeling because once you understand why, you can see through the illusion of hatred of your body. And once you see through the illusion, it disappears. So it's like, I think self-love is less of a rejection of a feeling and more of a leaning into and trying to understand the feeling that you're having. And that's where I think a lot of us get it wrong, you know? Mm. Self-love is not delusion. It's critical thinking. Ooh. Okay, so let's let's bring this back to the tweet and relationships. Mm-hmm. So at what point, let's say you're in a relationship and there's something toxic that your partner is doing. Let's actually, let's say cheating since we just <laughs> were having this discussion. So you're in a relationship, you find out that your partner's been cheating on you for the past six months. Is it an act of self-love to just leave? Or is it an act of self-love to try to understand why your partner cheated, knowing that you are still going to be hurt even after you understand why? Bobo, as you know, there are always more than two choices. (laughs) (laughs) I think that... Again, if it goes back to delusion, let's not, don't delude yourself into thinking that you staying is doing anybody any favors. Right. If you can't relinquish 
all thoughts of self-hatred for, you know, yourself or hatred for your partner. Like, who are you trying to convince out here? Like, you don't do me any favors by staying with your adulterous partner. Right. But in the same vein, for some people, the action is worse than the intent. So having that conversation is not an act of self-love if it only then takes you further out of your truth. Ooh. If what you know is what you know, why do you want people to give you room to challenge that for whose benefit? And so I think the act of self-love is unpacking what the actual issue is. Like, yes, we can acknowledge that you've been cheated on. Let's talk about the why. Why is it affecting you in this way? Is it your problem? Can you still sustain the relationship without it? Right. And it's like, it feels like we're talking from a really idealistic perspective. But I think that's the frustration with what self-love or the conversation around it has been. Very idealistic. Like, in the perfect world, we would do this and this. But it's like, we can start to create this perfect world. Let's be a little bit more emotionally intelligent. Let's be a little bit more critical with the way that we navigate situations of love, of romance, of intimacy. Yeah. And so it's tricky. Like these acts of self-love, like we've confused it with acts of like big upping ourselves, acts of that double tap. That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> like self-love is being aware of your behaviors and why you are the way that you are. Right. And so does self-love really integrate with intimate relationships? Sure, when it's about your behavior in them, not necessarily the other person's behavior. Ooh. The imperative of self, like how do you feel about these situations? What would make you feel more secure? What would make you feel more validated? But with that, how do you know when it's time to leave or when it's time to fight? I don't actually know. And I've been thinking about this like quite a bit. Like why do I let some people waste my time all right. day, every day? And other people, I'm willing to cut them off at the like at the first sign of an infraction. And I think it just goes to show that there are just some relationships that irregardless of the time we've spent together or how developed they might be, I place more value on, on, on them. It's very simple. Like maybe I am actually placing more value on a person I'm seeing that can't communicate versus, you know, a friendship I've had for six years that I've kept by default because we went to the same uni. Wow. Like, I just think it's that simple. And maybe it just has to do with, like, how much value you're getting. Not that I think that that should be a factor, but I think that's, like, a subconscious factor. I think mm. you let people waste your time more when they're just adding more value. Absolutely. And it's almost like when we look at value adding, it's not always, like, you know, it's not always the, the sweet text and the good dick. Sometimes the value adding is getting you outside of your comfort zone and being like, fuck, I've, got to, I've gotten outside my echo chamber and people are cooked on this end. People don't just agree with me because I'm cute. <laughs> people want me to like, people want to challenge me. Yeah. People don't reply to my text when I want them to. This is crazy. Let me learn how the world works outside of my head. Like, that's great. Oh As opposed God. to like this alternate relationship that on paper, the perception might be it should have more value to you. But if it really hasn't affected my life either way, good or bad, then it's neutral and I could probably get rid of it. Marie Kondo out of my life. Is it really sparking joy? Is it sparking like maybe joy? Maybe moments of, yeah, moments of conflict probably spark more joy in me than moments of monotony. Oh, so, shit. That's the there tea. There it is. That's the tea. Mm. And going back to this idea of like conflict and conflict resolution. So I am mm. someone who is just not confrontational at all. And I have a friend, shout out to Mukundra, who is all about conflict in relationships. Like she really champions the idea of like fighting with your friends and like having fights with your partner. Because if you're not having fights, then you're probably not communicating. 
Mm-hmm. And this goes back to the idea of like stepping out your comfort zone and like just because I think now we're so conflict avoidant that mm. any time a little conflict comes up, we're just like, no, this is toxic. It's time to go. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we learn to just be like healthier with our just our conflict, our conflict? Yeah. Um, I think everybody needs to. Uh, like almost lean into conflict with more of a rational mind. Generally, when the average person is, is confronted with conflict, it's emotionally led, emotionally driven and emotionally resolved. Mm. Like somebody yelled at me and then so we had like a heated conversation then I cried and we made up. But so if you took all the emotion out of it and you just had to be like realistically black and white on paper, no gray area, what's happening here? Yeah. <laughs> I think it'd be much easier to be like, okay, fuck, I understand. Like, I'm expecting you to validate me. You don't think I'm important. Therefore, have no time to prioritize me. I feel like I'm unworthy. Problem there. Wow. There it is. <laughs> easier said than and done. It, easy, of, of course, easier said than done. But, like, that's the thing. All this, all this like, marketing of self-love has made it sound super easy. Just love yourself. Accept yourself for who <laughs> you are. And it's like, that shit's so hard because I know tons of people who are better than me at everything. <laughs> like, how do, <laughs> how do I look at me and put myself on an equal pedestal when I know for a fact there are ways that I am less than to in comparison to others? Like, that shit is difficult. Wow. Okay, I have a question. So we both follow the slum flower, right? And mm-hmm. like, something she talks about a lot is emotional labor. Yeah, And just the balance between like the emotional labor that women put into relationships. I'm going to make this gendered because it is. The emotional labor that women put into relationships versus the emotional labor that men don't put into relationships. And like has this idea of emotional labor or like I put in more emotional labor than you. Therefore, I'm leaving the relationship. Mm-hmm. Is that really just a lack of empathy or just like a refusal to learn how to balance? Rela- and I had this conversation with my boyfriend about like, how can we make our relationship more balanced? And he was just like, I just don't think it has to be balanced in that way. Like, I don't think we need like specific roles and like, you're better at this. So therefore, I must make up for it by doing this. But I don't know. Yeah. I'm still grappling with that. Like, It's tricky. I don't think social balance is a thing even work-life balance i mean if you're gonna work five days on two days off talking about balance then you're already cooked yeah fact so i think aspiring for balance is just the wrong thing to do and i also i'm also frustrated with this idea of it's frustrating like i do believe you need to show people how to treat you like you teach people how to treat you that's standard but teaching someone how to treat you well is fucking exhausting (laughs) and but it's almost like it's in a lot of ways it's what you need to do to get to a point where you feel like you're in a harmonious space yeah people can't read your mind uh, for those of you listening who don't know what emotional labor is and refuse to use Google, <laughs> emotional labor is the process of managing feelings and, and expressions to fulfill the emotional requirements of a relationship. So a sta- like, an average, like a classic example of emotional labor is when you might tell a partner that, you know, when they don't respond to your text, it makes you feel like they don't have time for you. And then they respond and say, that's not what I meant to do. You know, that's not what I meant. Now I feel bad that you feel bad. And now you have to go back and make your partner not feel bad about making you feel bad because you made them feel bad about making you feel bad. Oh, my God. That is emotional labor. But the frustration is that 
generally women do that on a larger scale than men do you could say it's empathy you can say we've been socialized to be that way but the matter of the fact is there are more scenarios in day-to-day activities where women are practicing more emotional labor than men it's when you go into a workplace and you know that your colleague has had a shit weekend and so you don't send passive aggressive emails so you sign off a little right. bit nicer because you don't want to ruin their day. It's when you are having a shit day yourself, but a friend has called you wanting to vent about their about their day. And so you disregard what you're going through to benefit them. That is emotional labor. Right. And you might it's, it's as simple as not eating the last fucking biscuit because you know that your mum loves these biscuits and she'll come home right. from work and be so upset that there's no more biscuits. And so it's all that thinking that you do and all that rationalizing about how you're going to make someone else's experience better for their benefit first as opposed to yours. Ooh, it's tricky. It is tricky. And, I think in, and it's like it, it, we can't deny that emotional labor is a natural part of a lot of human interactions. But what we do need to be mindful of is when we over-resource the emotional labor in a relationship. And we go back to sort of setting standards and expectations. When you give people like the spiel and you tell them, this is how I expect to be treated – the idea is that they understand that and then take some of that pressure off you to keep exercising emotional labor. Yeah. If I told you this is the way that I want to be loved, I don't want to have to keep reminding you. It doesn't feel good. But the problem is people don't know that and they don't meet you halfway. They go, oh, I don't feel like there needs to be balance. I don't feel like, I don't see there's a problem. I've never, I've never experienced that on my end. I don't feel like, I, I don't feel like I'm exercising emotional labor. It's easy. And it's like, right. Mm, my feelings are hurt. Don't invalidate me. <laughs> um, but yes, I think the frustration with this topic of emotional labor is now that we're all cottoned on to what it means, we, and I'm guilty of it, I think a lot of things are emotional labor when it's just basic empathy. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think the that Aries I have a really... jumped out. <laughs> the Aries leapt forward roll. <laughs> jumped out. But I do think that I have a, like, I have, I have said b- before to people that I think that my empathy is underdeveloped or just I've got wow. an average amount that just that doesn't, like, affect my day-to-day because I just do not care about a lot of things in the sense that <laughs> if you've made me uncomfortable, I'm going to let you know. Like I'm, if, so like, let's say you've called me and you've said, yeah. And you haven't, you've called me and you've said, Hey, love had a really tough day. And you go into a 30 minute spiel about how your day is so tough. And like, nobody's treating you the way you want to. I would much sooner say, well, what have you done wrong? As opposed to be like, Oh yeah, you're right. Everybody's shit. Everybody hates you. Blah, 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 blah. You know, and maybe I need to work on that a little bit more and be a little bit more emotionally intelligent. But also the labor of taking on someone's like general shit, like where's the balance for that? And why is it up to me, the person experiencing or doling out emotional labor to also be the person who registers how much is too much to give? But see, I'm on the opposite end. (laughs) Mm. I'm on the opposite end of that where like if you were to call me and be like, oh my God, like, I've just had such a shitty day, you won't believe. And then you just jump into a 30-minute spiel. I'll probably, I think I have, I over-empathy, like, I over-resource my empathy. Mm. And to a point where it's not helpful either. Like, what are we going to do? Yeah. How are we going to break up with your boyfriend? Give me his number. Exactly. (laughs) I'll do it for you. (laughs) I'm over here like, okay, give me his address. Let me go burn his house down. As opposed to, like, being the practical friend. I don't know. I think it, it depends on the situation. But like for me, I think I need to practice being more like you and holding people accountable mm. and just being like, OK, but in what ways were you accountable in the situation as opposed Absolutely. to like 
just being like, yeah, you're right, sis. He's trash. Mm. Hey, do you think that uh, empathy has become synonymous with this idea of emotional labor? Like, or almost like we are not, like, we can't see that emotional labor requires empathy and empathy is like a basic human trait that we should all exercise a little bit more. Like sometimes we do have to step outside ourselves and do something in spite of ourselves for the benefit of people we care about or for the benefit of, of learning or like evolving as people, we do need to exercise some sort of emotional labor because if every one of us was felt that we didn't need to exercise any, then what kind of society would we have? I know. No helpers, no nurturers, no teachers, no doctors, like, no critical thinking, really, because you do need a healthy amount of self-awareness to acknowledge when you are, you know, exercising emotional labor and empathy. And if you don't have self-awareness and you can't critical think, and if we can't critically think as a society, then mm. where are we? I agree with you fully. I think what we've made it romantic to not have to exert emotional labor. And what mm. I mean so when you think about your relationships, right, like you have a boyfriend and you expect him to just know that he must buy you flowers on every Monday of the week of the month. <laughs> you expect him to just know because it's romantic for him to just be knowing. And oh. what I'm realizing is that for me, like I literally told my boyfriend, Let's listen, and I told him from the get go, I was like, listen, I'm a hopeless romantic. And I really appreciated that one time in the beginning of our relationship when you just surprised me with some flowers. Like, can we get more of that? Can I get some more of that? Because I'm opting out of this idea that like it's romantic for people to read your feelings when really what is romantic is for you to exercise your emotional labor and open your mouth and tell people what, how you want to be loved. And I think we've taken emotional labor as like, oh, this is so laborious. But actually, emotional labor is very romantic because emotional labor is teaching people how you want to be loved. Because no one... And here's the thing. I am of the belief that you need to treat your relationships the same way that you would treat a three-year-old. So, yeah, in this, you need to give people the same amount of grace and empathy and compassion that you would give to a three-year-old. If a three-year-old throws a bowl of spaghetti at you after you've just spent three hours making it, you're going to be like, oh, this poor kid is so cranky. He's probably just had a bad day, this and this and that. Right. But when your boyfriend doesn't buy you flowers every month, you're it's just malicious. like, it's malicious. Man, just he hates to me. Kill me, break me <laughs> down. <laughs> <laughs> this nigga's trying to kill me. <laughs> He's trying to manage me out of this relationship. <laughs> he wants to be single so bad. <laughs> and then it's like, when you tell this person, but oh, like, have you told your mans that you want to be sent flowers? They're like, oh, but all of this emotional labor, though. Like, fuck. No, okay, mm. then stay single. If that's Whoops. because that's the reality of relationships. I'm is that stay single. <laughs> stay single, fam. <laughs> because the reality of relationships is emotional labor. Like nothing is just going to be abs and yes, I think this is just a lesson that millennials as a whole I think we've been coddled a lot and we just need to be reminded that nothing is absolute. So romance is not going to be absolutely romantic and utopian. That utopia also comes with its own side of hell. And you have to take the good with the bad. Everything is yin and yang. 
if you want love, Absolutely. then you have to give emotional labor. Like what? Mm. And it's it, it's frustrating because I was telling this to Bobo before, as someone who's very turbo in all forms of life, <laughs> it doesn't always result in the desired. It doesn't always like the desired outcome isn't always the desired result. Like for instance, I could tell somebody all day that I'm attracted to them, that I think they're amazing, and they'll still hit me with the vague oh, you know, like, but like, this is just like, this is chill. Like, what? I've just met your parents. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> what do you mean? This is chill. Wow. Or like, I could be like, I could tell my employer, hey, like, I don't think like what you're offering me is below my pay grade. And I don't feel as though that I want to, I don't want to accept that rate. They'd be like, yeah, no, we get it. And we would never want you to have to sacrifice your value, but you're not hearing me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So just know that a lot of this, like, self-awareness self-love emotional labor it is a solo journey and you cannot guarantee that people will meet you halfway with the desired response it's just not how it works you're almost gambling saying that you're going to put yourself out there with the hopes that people will meet you halfway but it's not wow. guaranteed it's actually quite rare to be honest but you just have to take it because that's the reality of human relationships yeah like mind your business like you have to walk through the world like you know regulating your own intention not everybody else's like this wow. is how i'm choosing to live turbo <laughs> there's a lot of wins a lot of losses but that's fine and you know maybe what we need to do i think we have a really good format of like friendship like platonic friendship relationships and maybe we need to apply that same format to our romantic relationships because mm. isn't it weird how like You'll be friends with someone and all is well. But as soon as you start dating that person, like everything just explodes. Mm -hmm. Just because of the expectations and the norms just attached to romance. And it's just like, let's just keep the same energy throughout all of, all of our relationships. And we'll be good. That includes your parents too. Don't rule them out. And your parents. I just, I lectured my mother on her internalized misogyny. So just so you know. Wow. How did that go? I mean, slow but slow. She was like, no, yeah, I get it. I get it. Let's just stop talking about it. Like, you're always so angry. And I was like, just so you know, I'm not angry. I'm just saying that you're an authority in this space. And the way you respond to certain situations in, like, inflicts the way everyone else responds to it or receives it. So if you think something is, is sus everyone else is going to agree with you. So just right. know that you got to, anyway, that's another topic. But I want to, what I do want to think about and what, what I want us to have a really good, good discussion on is how do you know when situations are really worth fighting for and how do you know when to just stop? Because in theory, it just sounds like, oh, when like, when it gets too much for you or when your feelings are hurt or when your morals are compromised, but I can reach all those points and be like, oh, Pink flag. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> or I could reach one of those points and be like, I'm cutting them off. I don't need this shit. <laughs> so realistically, like, how do you know when things are at their clear breaking point and you need to really exercise self-love, self-awareness, protect your space and remove whatever's affecting you? Yeah, I think once you've tried to resolve the conflict or the conflicts and you still love the person... That's the thing. If you're indifferent or you actually just don't even have it in you to fight anymore, mm. that's also just how you know. Like if you fought enough to the point where just the, there is no room for conflict resolution, because also I think people can only understand at their level of consciousness. 
So you can only preach for so long. But if someone's not understanding, it's because they're not at your level of consciousness. <laughs> so. But let's talk about it in terms of like, let's say we're talking like early stages of relationships, mm. romantic. Let's say we're talking about friendships that have been established for years. Workplaces where we may not have the agency to be brazen bitches. Oh, like, you I know, know. How do you know when at work, when you feel like you're constantly being berated or devalued, how do you really know that you're not just being a soft bitch? <laughs> or how do you know that you're really being treated unfairly? Like, when is the breaking point? And when, how do we make sure that we're feeling secure in our decisions? I know. Well, A, you need to pick your battles. So... Mm. There it is. Yeah, I think it's important to know that, like, not every fight is even worth your energy. So, like, Mm. the bitch at work who doesn't greet you in the morning, just don't greet them then. Like, just, you know, that's just, like, a fight that's not worth having. Whereas someone at work who is sexually harassing you, if you tell them to stop and they don't stop, you then take it to HR. And if that still doesn't work, you you sue them. I don't know, like... (laughs) But you know what I mean? I think, um, yeah, it's either that some some fights are just not worth the hassle. And most fights can be solved really just by like clear, transparent communication. Not to say that that's like easy to do, because Lord knows I'm the worst at confrontation. But it's the necessary thing to do. Yeah. You know, what is for you? How do you know when to keep fighting? I've had a quick think about it. Yeah. And I would say if you're in a position where you're unsure if you could just like cut your losses and leave leave this person alone, leave this situation alone, leave this job alone, you need to think about could you realistically have uh, a discussion with them on this topic 10 times over and still have more fight in you? Wow. If you're like, you know what, I really think that I can, I really do have the energy to talk to this, this guy 10 more times about the way I want to be treated and I could still have like 10 more times in me, then you're not done yet. Wow. Then you have space <laughs> in your heart to resolve and exercise more empathy and self-love and really do yourself a service and learn from the situation. If you're at work and you're kind of like, you know what, I can have a conversation about a pay rise 10 more times and still feel like I've got fight in me, then you're not done yet. Wow. And then you still have more time to do it. And so you will. You know what? We should also discuss situations where... It's not the other person being toxic, but rather it's you self-sabotaging yourself. So, like, in situations of, like, unrequited love. So, for example, you've gotten yourself into a situationship with the intention that it'll be casual. But now you're head over heels in love with this person and they are not in love with you. How do you know whether to keep going in the situation and hope that your feelings will wither away? Or whether to just let it go and cut your losses. Mm. You know? Do you even need to have the conversation with the person and be like, listen, I've caught feelings for you. Like, I'm in love with you. Where do we go from here? Or do you just up and leave? Or even on a smaller scale of just someone who won't even like, um, someone who won't humor the conversation of even defining a relationship. Yeah. You know, because there's a lot of that grey area where it's kind of like it walks like a relationship, talks like a relationship, fights like a relationship, but it isn't one. Wow. What happens now, especially when it's very, like, especially when you're the aggressor and the person just receives, like, your affection doesn't reciprocate. Like, what do you do there? And I think it's fair enough for you to not have to engage in that over and over and over again. But also, people don't know what they don't know. And so if you've had the conversation upwards of three times, I think that 
I don't like ultimatums. I really don't. And so the conversation I suggest you have is one that says, hey, this is my analysis of what's happening here. Mm. I'm going to quickly opt out of this one unless you've got an alternate viewpoint that you can share with me that makes this worthwhile. And most people will be like, oh, you know what? Like, I can't convince you to keep wasting your time here. It's fine. <laughs> and then that's where you know. But I often, it's, it's really tricky in those situations because, like, you can wait years for people to show up with, for people to show up for you, and they won't. They re- look they at will Diddy not. and Kim Porter. Diddy and Kim Porter were had t- how many babies together? Had a ten year <laughs> relationship, and now that she's dead, he's on Instagram talking about I never loved anybody like her. I should have married her. She was the only one for me. Like it took her her full death for him to I understand <laughs> what she meant to him. So please, this know is how men this- will waste your time. By the way. Honestly, so please know this person that you're pining for for three, six months, there's still years that you could be doing this for. <laughs> so have the hard conversation and be like, you know what, look, like this is my analysis of the situation. Let me know if this is it or if it isn't because I'm going to have to opt out. It hurts too much. Wow. And let me tell you, like there is a point in which things could be uncomfortable for the sake of growth. Like maybe you do have to experience unrequited love to understand that you just can't have things because you want them. Ooh. Or maybe you do need to experience, you know, your value not being received the way you intend for you to understand that value isn't a universal currency and that you do need to you do need to show people who you are, you know, in a way that they understand. Wow. Yes, I acknowledge that. But it's not everyday pain. It's not everyday hurt. It's not everyday. And it doesn't need to be excruciating pain for you to acknowledge that it hurts your feelings. Like, it's not fun to not be validated when you've shown someone that you're interested. It's not fun to not be registered for who you are when you've shown people that. It's not fun. It's really not. And maybe that's enough for you to be like, you know what? This isn't great. Like, I feel shit every time I engage in this. I don't want to feel this way anymore. And yes, it might... Yes, the little bit of validation is enough for me to stick around for another two weeks, but that won't fuel me for another two years. I need something. And I tell you this because you've got to be mindful of the way you block your blessings for people who aren't worth it. Oh like you stay God. in that shit Talk job because you need income. Well, you don't understand that if you just quit that shit job, you could open your eyes to opportunities elsewhere. That's you block tea. your blessings to your bigoted family because it's too hard to deal with. But you've got to understand that subconsciously that's informed the way you see the world as well. That affects you. You don't even know it. Because or your eyes are time closed. You sp- wow. Come on. Or all that time you spend nurturing a fuck buddy relationship, hoping that this man or person will change their mind and see you for you, not knowing that all the time you spend not actively pursuing something else, you're blocking your blessings. Wow. Please. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Drag Please. all of us. Drag all of us. Please. Like, and it comes to a time you're like, fuck, I'm getting it. It's not even the person anymore. I'm giving this, pe- this person room to act out. I'm literally inviting them, feeding them, giving them validation, making wow. them feel good in spite of myself for what? So I get a fraction of what they're giving, I'm giving them? No way. And that's- It gets old. 
the hard truth is that sometimes someone is just not that into you and you just i know it that wow that is the hardest truth but so sometimes it's someone is just not into you and you just have to cut your losses and go or sometimes you need context and say, okay, this person isn't as into me as I thought, but that is okay because now I can handle how much I'm getting because I can measure it accurately. Right. So now they're not being negligent. Now you just know that this is how they're behaving because you're not a priority. And you'd be like, okay, I'm fine not being a priority. Let me go Let me go up my roster. Or let me go spend some time nurturing my platonic relationships. Yeah. Like, let me just resource this differently. Now I have context for what it is or is not. So also, let me just... This blew my mind. I didn't even know this. So Kim Porter stayed mm-hmm. with Diddy for 10 years, mm-hmm. being his baby mama. Mm-hmm. And he refused to put a ring on it. Well, so I think their relationship was longer than 10 years because I think Diddy has been with Cassie for upwards of five years. So they have... Let me... Diddy. Let me, let me get this out because it's actually insane. I'm just amazed. That anyone would even allow that to happen. I mean, they had kids and everything. I think they were together. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me not. Okay, great. We've got a relationship timeline. Mm. Okay. The couple who began dating in the 90s welcomed their first child together in 1998. So they, they met and then uh, dated on and off for years, like 13 years. Mm. So like... He, they would. They had a kid. Then he was with. Um, then they were together. Then they broke up. And then he was with J Lo. And then they broke up. And they got. And then he got back together with Kim. It's just a whole lot of back forth, back forth, back forth. But the frustration is they shared a really um, sort of harmonious relationship where she acknowledged that yes, he was a good dad. He she he he acknowledged that she was a good mom. She acknowledged he was a good dad. They always expressed they had love for each other, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like years later, like eight years later, he would do these interviews where people would be like, okay, now you're not with J-Lo, like what's the deal? And he's like talking about how that in 2006, he was saying that he knows she deserves to get married, but he's just not ready. And that, you know, it's not a reflection on how much he loves her. He's just learning how to be a good boyfriend. And when he's learned that, then he'll move on to the final stage. But then they broke up for good in 2007 and then maintained a friendship where he would talk openly about how, you know, that she's amazing, that if, when he can learn to be a better man, that he will be there for her and that he'll pull up and all this good stuff, right? Mm. And so then he goes to date Cassie for like 10 fucking years or whatever, like a significant amount of time. Then at the end of his relationship with Cassie, Kim Porter dies mysteriously. Now, man, is all over the internet talking about how she deserved to be a wife. She deserved to be acknowledged and elevated for the woman that she really is. He made a mistake. I can't. He was too stubborn to realize, like, if he could just go back in time and tell her and so she wouldn't die thinking that she wasn't worthy of his love. Like, come on. We're, we're done. We're done. And, like, how he misses that she used to check on him all the time and make sure. And how he misses that, you know, she would, regardless of their relationship status, that she was always there for him, that she always had love for him, that she didn't hold it against him, that she wasn't a wife. Like, See, mm -hmm. this right here is the perfect example of not self-care. This is (laughs) self-sabotage. This is you ruining your own life. And for what? For the hope that someone will see your value? absolutely these men will play men (coughs) are the ghetto these men will play you for two decades 
they will mm-hmm. literally play you to your grave like you will these men will kill you and still be able to, to benefit off your relationship in your death wow. like man's everyone's <laughs> like i feel really bad for him if only he could have known better if only he had another chance like she's not fully dead right now i'm dead like fully not breathing and so it's one of those things where i'm not saying that thing well this is what we're talking about like you know, we talk a lot about protecting our spaces and, and, and creating a chamber of self-love and, and harm reduction. But it's like, my concern is that are we just like wrapping ourselves up in wool, seeming that we're safe, blocking out everyone. But in reality, we're more vulnerable than ever. Because my frustration with this self-love thing is if you never experience fuckboy behavior in a relationship, the one time it happens to you, you're going to be broken. Wow. Like you literally will not know what's hit you because you have no other metric for what anything outside of pure love should feel like. Wow. If you've never experienced conflict in a friendship, you assume that the one time you have conflict is the end of the friendship. If you've never had your value challenged before, you'll feel like a failure every time or the one time your value is challenged. Speak on it. So that's why I'm saying that in this conversation about protecting your space and like, cutting off toxic people be mindful of how much of that toxicity is going to be constructive to your growth or conducive to growth and how much of it is just in spite of you and and useless and i don't think that toxicity is often as useless as we think it is Mm. i think often toxicity is our perception of a situation that because it doesn't align with what we're used to it must be toxic you know, if someone doesn't return my calls when I want them, it must be toxic. If someone doesn't validate me every single time of the day, it must be toxic. If, does, if someone doesn't that stroke my ego every single time, it must be toxic. And maybe it's not toxic. Maybe it's just not your experience. And so it's like you need to also, again, critically analyze your situation and be like, okay, am I just not used to this experience or is it really exactly what I think it right. is? And I refuse to believe for the most of us listening in our mid-20s, early 20s or whatever, that we have a good grasp on what everything is at this age. It's impossible. Like, there is no way I know exactly how love needs to be expressed for it to be genuine and pure. How? (laughs) You know, how is that possible? There is no way I have all the skills necessary to know how best to handle conflict resolution. And so if a friendship results in... if 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 a conflict in friendship resolves results in the friendship being over i can't assume i handle that exactly the way it was meant to go that's just my only experience in it and therefore i need more of those experiences to triangulate and be like okay fuck now i understand wow shit people out here role-playing understanding because it looks good to look smart when really i know you've got your dumb bitch juice subscription <laughs> leaders a day i know And it's like people like me who are unafraid to be dumb, to contradict myself, to lean into experiences that are new, to waste my time. The amount of time I spend wasting my time is far shorter because I do it in less, like I have less of a window for it. So I would much rather waste my time in a short window than drag that over years because I was too scared to look dumb. Wow. But you know. That was a bar. Especially how... The way we project our own insecurities onto events and then just label them as toxic. Wow. Oh my God, that's my doorbell. (laughs) Okay, are you back? Yeah. I wanted to go into listener questions. Oh, okay. Sorry, let me stop chewing. What are you chewing on? (laughs) Cashews. (laughs) Oh, wow. She stays healthy. Not even. I'm actually addicted to sugar, so I have to do something about this. 
No, you don't really have to. You could die tomorrow, babe. So wow. A word. I want to be feared. I, like, I feel like there's a lot of shame and fear in, like, the, the um, what do you call it? The pursuit to health. Ooh, so like, what do you mean? Well, I'm just kind of like, you know, everyone's like, don't do this or you'll die or you'll get sick. It's like, can I just aspire for happiness? And if certain things make me happy, then I'd rather die earlier and fulfilled than live longer and not be fulfilled. Like, why are you trying to spook me? Like, <laughs> I understand we're in dire straits and we need people to like kind of understand their health matters. But also it's kind of like sometimes health and happiness aren't mutually exclusive. I think we also need to have an episode. I do think we need to discuss at a greater length this concept of victim blaming. Because, again, have, holding people accountable is not blaming. They're, those two aren't mutually exclusive. And we've got to understand that just because somebody's um, rationale isn't always in favour of the person who's struggling to meet that rationale doesn't mean we're blaming you. Mm. We're just acknowledging that there is a bar that exists that may be higher than the bar that you're at currently. Like, why is it always going to be so volatile? Like, just because I don't agree, I'm <laughs> blaming you. Like, it's not even like that. Some, like, it's side not note, even somebody like said that. To me, somebody said to me the other day, because I donated my um, my bags, uh, I donated a bunch of clothes to charity the other day. Yeah. And um, somebody was like, and I couldn't go in the daytime, so I just left the bags outside of the store. Apparently, that's illegal to do. I didn't know. So I was like, I didn't know, like, oops my bad now i know yeah and she was like yeah but now you've told your followers where the bags are so if they go into the bags and take the clothes you're essentially taking money from charity i said excuse me <laughs> <laughs> i have donated my own clothes i could have sold them i could have kept them i've donated them told people nah, where they that is get so it. extra and because a charity cannot profit more of what i'm selling because someone might hypothetically take the clothes i'm stealing from people i can't <laughs> What me? This is where it gets extra. Come on now. <laughs> I literally the, cannot. Like, stop reading the headlines of opinion pieces with these keywords like toxic, systemic, victim blaming, <laughs> and start Googling what these things mean. Like, essentially, somebody said to me, when I said I don't believe in cancel culture, somebody said that's victim blaming and that if How? we don't call out people, how sway said if we don't call out people then they'll never learn i said cancelling and calling out aren't mutually exclusive do your research why do we still think in binaries why in 2019 are we still thinking in binaries with 24 whole hours in the day talking about oh i see where you're coming from now (laughs) use google oh my gosh wow okay so let's talk about (laughs) <laughs> this person oh bless you babe thank you. Bless you wow allergy season um, is upon us damn let's say let's talk about um when your self-love contributes to somebody else's self-harm Ooh, what do you mean well i'm assuming this person is talking about the idea that often when it comes to exercise and self-love a big consideration is setting boundaries for yourself making sure people don't have access to you like they used to. But if people having access to you was at the benefit of them, and so like, let's say if like you, Bobo, let's say you were like, your friends come to you for advice all the time. Everybody DMs you for advice. They look to you as like a virtue, like like a virtue of knowledge. You know, they right. really want to, you help them be better. 
But then you start to say, you know, as an act of self-love, I can no longer help you. Like, you, my door is not open to you. My DMs are now closed. <laughs> I can't help you. That's the end all and be all. Right. Now your act of self-love is essentially contributing to someone's act of self-harm if they're presuming that you are their conduit to loving themselves. So, and that can happen on a smaller scale. Like when you, when you have really um, emotionally abusive parents who need, need, need and take from you and you decide that you can't give them love so you estrange yourself. Right. Like, oh my God, we're family. It should be unconditional. What are you doing? Right. Which I, we, I don't believe like, in any of that anyway. But yeah. I know. So when, so when we talk about self-love contrib- contributing to someone else's self-harm, what is our angle on that? Um, I believe that if your cup do not runneth over, then actually you're harming people anyway. So you have to put yourself either way. And putting yourself first is the highest, the highest expression of self-love. Um, I also don't believe that I can ever be the conduit for someone else's self-love. I can be the catalyst. I can be the inspiration. Mm for someone else to love themselves but if you are putting if you're burdening someone with the expectation that they be that you must be the entire cup of self-love for them then they played themselves like that's on you sorry for playing yourself and less on me and like now that my cup is empty because you've drained me i'm not harming you bitch you've harmed yourself by draining my cup so I'm not harming you, bitch. <laughs> oh my god! Like, bitch, you drained my cup. But I'm this not is also you, where like self awareness comes in, and it's like mm. this goes back to the original question. I don't know. I I just you just cannot expect anyone to like be the the pillar of your self love. Like, no, 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 no. You have to stand on your own two feet, and you can use people to lean on temporarily but no one can be your entire foundation of self-love that's just setting yourself up for failure because Mm. all relationships are transient either they will end because they you know shit just goes bad or they will die or you will die so you can't you know you Mm. you you played yourself what are your thoughts on that yeah mirrored yeah it, it is it is what it is do you think that we have, if we're going to, okay, so my fresh, not frustration, but what I'm finding is uh, this, this practice of cutting people off in the name of self-love, mm. that people also aren't aware that they are responsible for the consequence of what happens once I cut somebody <gasps> off. Talk about it. So I think people talk, people think that cutting someone off means that once you've cut that tie, you are now void of the consequence of that result. Oh. So if I cut you off and now you want to come back and, and rehabilitate, no, we're done. Yeah. Or if you feel sad, not my problem. And that's not what we're getting at when we say <laughs> we're going to cut you off in the name of self-love. When I talk about cutting people off, I'm very rarely doing the whole, we're done. Like, go away. Right. When I cut somebody off for the very last time, it means that this is a no-holds-bar explanation of where I'm coming from, how I've gotten to this point, why I feel as though we can't remedy this, and me moving on. That doesn't mean that I am not responsible for how that person feels. Right. It just means that I'm choosing not to allocate any more time resourcing that relationship. 
But you do have to be mindful that if you're going to go around cutting off people, protecting spaces, harm, re- like, like harm reducing, there are that there are consequences for that behavior. And it doesn't just stop and start with you. You might even be the catalyst for future conflict because of the way you've behaved. Exactly. So just be mindful that the the process of cutting off is very rarely the end of that relationship. Oh, it is yeah. the beginning. It's the beginning of, of a new one. Absolutely. One that is probably like less, less, you know, it, like if I cut, let's say I cut off a best friend. I'm not going in that best friend's dance being like, you know what, after some consideration, I'm going to terminate this <laughs> friendship. We're no longer done. No, 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 no. I'm calling them to task. I'm saying, this is how I feel. I am resourcing the relationship less. I don't feel like I need to respond to every text. I don't feel like I need to show up to birthday parties. I will, I will tell you why I'm no longer here and I'm being distanced. That is the process of cutting off. Cutting off is not an action. It's a process. It doesn't stop and start when you want it to. That, that is just a means word. you finally acknowledge that you now have a part to play in the future of the way you feel about certain certain scenarios. So one more time, cutting off is not an action, it's a process. So be aware of who you are cutting off and why you're cutting them off. Because if you aren't ready for like next level discourse, then there's a problem. Ooh. Don't cut off people and then be avoidant. Don't be like, oh, this is the last, like I've said my piece, I'm not talking about it anymore. That's immature. And it's not conducive to any helpful relationship nope. building. Maybe don't be as helpful. Don't fill in the blanks. Don't be like, hey, I'm cutting you off. And if you want to repair this relationship, this is how you can do it. No, give people space to be grown. That like, is a word. People. And that's a word because I think a lot of people cut people off as a way to avoid consequences. Mm. <laughs> but that's the gag. That's the gag is that you, there's no way of avoiding consequences, like of avoiding effects. It's just a law of physics. It's very tricky. The law of cause. What is it? Newton's third law. For every action, there's an equal reaction, fam. Mm-hmm. There you go. Come on, science. Come on, science. Science never lied. I also want to talk about quickly, you mentioned before how it's very, like we don't often turn the mirror back inwards on ourselves and go, okay, how are our toxic traits contributing to our lack of self-love, our lack of self-awareness? Because for me, I find that I can really normalize bad behavior like really (laughs) absolutely i would have never expected that from you i'm shook oh for sure i can normalize bad behavior like i remember one time i had this friend with benefits that was in love with me and i was like he's a grown adult if he feels as though that this intimate or this sexual relationship is more for him than it is he needs to communicate that i'm not gonna read between the lines not my business (laughs) if you're heartbroken every time we see each other then you need to be a big boy at your big age of 30-something. Yeah. And come to me and be like, well, this is how I feel. But what I wasn't acknowledging, that I was complicit in his feelings of that because I didn't acknowledge that I knew he felt bad. That's wow. immature. I should have said, hey, I'm noticing that after we meet, you spiral into this whole idea that we should be, you know, lovers and that we should engage in a monogamous relationship. And I just worry that this is more damaging to you than it should be. Do you want to talk about it? Wow. But I thought I was on team bad bitch. Not my problem. He's grown up. Like, <laughs> fuck that. I can do it. I'm going to worry about me. You see? So you do have to acknowledge how you, how like your behavior manifests. Tox- manifests or your lack of behavior. In this or your case. lack of behavior. Absolutely. Because we, again, we talk about toxic positivity. Positivity. Just because you don't acknowledge the negative consequences of your behavior doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Like... Ooh. Let it be known. But 
I, on that topic though, because it can be hard for a lot of people to look inwards and be introspective and to look at how they get in their own way. I was listening to this video on i think it was the school of life oh my god YouTube, that's my channel i love yeah big we're fan. just on the same content i love it it's actually insane um so at the end of this video there were some questions that the um narrator says that we should ask ourselves to identify any toxic traits that we have mm. because we are blind to them we live with ourselves all the time we normalize bad behavior all the time so some of the questions are to ask yourself. I'm going to read them all out. You can pause, take some notes, do the, do the exercise now. Um, when I'm annoyed, I have a tendency to fill in blank. Mm. When I'm angry, I have a tendency to fill in blank. When, uh, when I feel hurt, I have a tendency to. When I'm tired, I have a tendency to. Around money, I can be a bit difficult because I worry a lot That's about X. I can be a bit of a handful around sex because insert this and doing this exercise can illuminate a few of the problems that you don't acknowledge to be problems until you do the exercise right so if i say when i'm annoyed i have a a tendency to be malicious or temperamental or moody i may have normalized that because that's just the way i am but that might be a huge deal breaker for somebody else or a huge trigger for them or if i say um you know around money i can be around money I can be difficult because I have it and I'm not afraid to spend it and I'm not attached to like my lifestyle dictates my lifestyle's way it is because I have money and I don't have patience for those who can't play the game pay and play yeah. you know what I mean so if you don't have the money to participate I won't slow down for you you'll get left behind somebody's going to want to know that they're going to want to know that yes I won't live with you if you can't afford x amount of dollars for rent right that no I won't not go on this holiday because you don't have money like it's not these are things that i'm not going to do so uh, yeah i think that's a very important exercise oh my god are we bringing these questions to our first dates we're gonna have to at this rate yeah because actually it is and i'm thinking what else do you want to know if not the answer to these questions honestly i don't understand i think what else is there to understand i think another way that we self-sabotage is the fact that on first dates we put our best foot forward why are we why are we not putting all our feet forward every single one of them every single Even one the of two our you don't know exist this is why like when we have to talk more about dick appointments and things like that like i'm not trying to put to a dick appointment Listen. in a full face and a snatched outfit brows looking perfect <laughs> hair amazing like i'm waiting for the time where i can go on a date with no makeup just in like a like trackies and a hoodie being like hi bitch let's fall in love <laughs> but lucky for you i'm about to be married in two years so you know it better happen soon or it'll never happen at all oh you're trying but I just to get feel married like, what, what are we fronting about yeah like i'm not shaving before dates not my legs not my armpits not my pubic mound nothing like i'm not setting unrealistic unrealistic expectations of what is about to happen in future i love nope. that energy but i'm just not there yet I know, and like, granted, like, I don't feel like I don't feel some kind of way about having hairy legs in terms of a, a self-esteem way. Yeah, it's more of a personal preference way. Like the same way, sometimes I want eyelashes, sometimes I don't. You know, it's one of those things. Right. But I know that people place a lot of weight on that. So if it's one of those things where I don't want to find out three months into a relationship that man's has prejudice against, you know, hairy, hairy pubic bounds, <laughs> and then all of a sudden I'm like, well, fuck, I cooked it so yes yeah i think that is do better everyone and we're, we're gonna need an entire episode on just dick appointments 
Yeah. Just by just alone. Like that's a whole episode. We'll get there. I want to ask you one of these questions though, because I think it would be interesting. Yeah. Um, how are you difficult to be around? How am I difficult to be around? Um, I'm very impatient. I have zero what? patience at yeah. <laughs> and um you perform patient culture so well. Really? Wow, that's yeah, hilarious. Especially when it when it comes to work and when it comes to romance. And it's actually my boyfriend who pointed this out to me. Now shook because I was like, wow, I do this a lot. So I'm the type of person, I'll be like, hi, I have this issue. And when I come to you with a problem, I also come to you with a solution because that's just something like my mom taught me to do. Mm-hmm. So I'll be like, I have this issue in our relationship. These are the three ways that I think we can fix it. How do you feel? And then you will say yes. So by tomorrow... If we haven't fixed that issue, I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm done with you. Like, I can't mm. believe, like, why haven't you implemented these three tactics? And I realize I, I've, I do this a lot without realizing. I, like, don't give people, <laughs> I don't give people, like, multiple chances. Like, I'll give someone one yeah. chance. Um. And I give very specific and clear instructions. And then when people don't follow them, I'm like, okay, I'm done. So yeah. I'm definitely learning to be more patient with people. Um, because I also apply like my line of thinking to others. I assume that other people, I'm a fast learner. Like I'm just, I also just do things quick. Like I'm just a quick bitch. Like when I want to do mm. something, I do it immediately. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'm just that, I'm just that person. Like I need things done now and I need them done perfectly. Um, and so when most people don't operate that way. And so I tend to just be really impatient with them. And yeah, that's something I'm working on. I mirror your sentiment in that way because yeah. it only occurred to me recently that not everyone's turbo. Just, I think <laughs> from this real. podcast, especially, I just thought more of the population was turbo than not. Same that's so, yeah but i think we are turbo in different ways oh absolutely it's very clear now that we're very <laughs> turbo in different ways but so it's been really frustrating to me to navigate the world knowing that because i used to just assume that if people weren't meeting me at my level they weren't interested or um were avoidant or were secretive or were being mysteriously manipulative just the worst things ever right and now i'm like oh fuck people just need time to get to know you like they just need time <laughs> They just need time. But still, I'm very mindful of, I don't want to sacrifice everything I like for the benefit of others, hoping that they'll meet me at my level one day. I think there's a time where I can be turbo, pull back a little bit, give you space to show me who you are, give you space to want me back, whether or not it would be like intimate, platonic, career experiences. Some things need time to flourish, but also, what? I've never had to wait for many things ever. So why would I all of a sudden start doing that for the benefit of somebody else? But see, this is this is the hard part, though. Like, <laughs> these are the I'm things trying, that you and I need to I'm, learn. Yeah, but also... Like, people just need time. And I just but can't relate. Are people trying as well? You know, I'm trying to be patient, but are people trying to be more turbo? Yeah. No. <laughs> 
not what's happening here. So I'm here team compromise. Like, okay, I'm being too turbo. Be more chill. I'm being more chill and you're still being chill. We didn't even roll reversal. Wow. Like, all of a sudden, I'm doing extra work to tolerate you when I'm bringing more to the table objectively. <laughs> that's <Not> subjectively. <laughs> I said objectively. I know I'm <laughs> No, that's exactly how I feel. I'll be like... I'll be like, no, I came to you with the solution to the problem. So your only job is to implement. Why haven't you implemented? And it's like, bitches just still need time. Yeah, like, why are you challenging it when the solution is right there? Literally. Just lean it. Just do it. Don't go home and do extra credit. Like, the work is right here. I've already, like, I've given you the multiple choice. Just fill in the blanks. Honestly. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just, Um, wow. Gosh, and let's do one more because I think this would be really interesting. Yeah. Um, I can be a bit of a handful around sex because. Ooh. Wow, this one's a hard one because I just think I'm perfect at sex. No, I'm kidding. You tried it. <laughs> I know. Um, how can I be a handful? I think performativity. I think instead of being direct and just being like in casual situations, instead of being direct because I don't want to hurt people's feelings, I tend to just like perform pleasure as opposed to experiencing it. And that doesn't help anyone. Um, I also sometimes just skip foreplay because I just get really excited really quickly. Oh, but like, you know, I have to, again, slow down and remember that like, it's a journey, but I'll be so quick Mm. to be like, no, 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 just get inside me. Just get inside me right now. And I have to just remember that like, it's a, let's, let's build our way up to that. Let's link and build. Yeah. (laughs) And, how else yeah i think sometimes like just being in my head too much just about like Mm -hmm. oh my god is he gonna think i'm too hairy like oh my god like am i too scarred i have so many scars and it's like no one is probably no one is thinking that they're probably just amazed that me in all of my glory a celestial being is naked in front of them, you know? So I have to remember. Or their eyes are closed like your eyes are closed. (laughs) (laughs) So nobody's seeing anything anyway. Listen, we are team eyes closed in these parts. How are you a handful when it comes to... (laughs) I can think of so many ways. Mm. So I I think I sometimes use sex as a a currency. Wow. I will withhold or give a lot depending on the situation and what I think calls for it I also think sex is an activity as well and I find that other people use it as a tool for connection <laughs> and so I want to have playful sex and they might feel a little bit self-conscious that I'm not taking it as seriously as they are yeah and I refuse to buck on that one because <laughs> I want to have fun also I think in another way let me just like write my whole list yeah no I, I want to hear that it. I can be if I'm not like yeah no in all ways I think that I can be very transactional during sex and very spiteful. So if I've gone down on you... You are such an Aries. I can't believe it. noted. And I'm going to give you the room to figure it out. Like, I'm not not your mom. I'm not, like, your captain. Like, you have 
the space and the agency to figure it out, but it's noted. And like, I will start to withhold certain acts of pleasure if I don't feel like they're going to be reciprocated. Wow. But do you speak? And often, and, Are you like... But I tell people like, if we're, if we're at a stage where we're having frequent sex, I'm like, okay, this is what I like. Like use, like I already set my, my standards, but again, right. the expectations. Like I've said it. So if you don't meet me halfway, the consequence is I will withdraw. I'm not going to force you to do something you don't want to do, but the consequence of us not having an equal sexual relationship is that when it's not going to be equal. Wow. You don't get all of it and I get half of it. So there's that. And then the last bit is that if you come to my house with coke dick and you <laughs> can't control your dick, I will just use my vibrator next to you. And I have heard it's insensitive to do. But... Flex, is, you know that's a form of terrorism? Like, I could call yeah. the terrorist hotline right now and they'll yeah. come get you. But I mean, also, if that, again, I'm just encouraging people, come with some, come with the energy you want to be given to you. I love that. Like, how are you going to come here be, like, and I give people space. I'm, I, I have conversations about sex. I'm very mindful of the first few times I have sex with someone new. I give them space to, I don't want to add to your insecurity. So I don't critique you. I don't give you direction for the first few times. But I tell people that. So you don't feel as though you need to do anything out of your out of your comfort zone. Right. But I'm giving people space to show up. And then then I'm telling you how things should be in my ideal world. And if you won't meet me halfway, then why should I meet you anyway? I just send I've, me I've this energy. All my hoes. Yeah. Like I don't have I don't have anyone on the roster. I'm not seeing anyone. I'm not dating anyone. I'm clean slate. Yeah, why are you now a celibate bitch? Well, because I realized going back to step number one, transactional sex. Yeah, I was like, I just I'm on team manipulation, and it's too complicated. Because <laughs> I feel like I can't. If you're gonna be in charge of changing somebody's feelings for you, you need to be. Uh, you need to understand the consequences. And I wasn't willing to deal with the consequences. So I was like, well, clearly I'm not in a place where I should be frequently ruining people's lives or having my life ruined. Like the love of my life I met in fucking January, Mr. Um, sexual relationships are rigid, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I would still propose to him. You know what I mean? So yeah, I've cut off all my hoes. I just feel like I need to stop. You know, because I think that I went from turbo to being too accommodating. Like being like, give people time to show you who they are. Give people space. Don't ask for too much. Blah, blah, blah. Just do your bit. Do your due diligence. Don't ask for anything. Then I thought, no. Like when have I ever done that before? So as a lesson to all my hoes, I cut them off because I'm not playing these games anymore. Wow. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to start as I intend to finish. And what I'm looking for is a whole husband. Or very, very, very good stroke. So why am I making considerations for people who aren't husbands and aren't giving me good stroke? Talk about it. This is a thing that, yeah, to add on to my list as well, I think another thing that I do is prioritizing other people's pleasure over mine. Um, Because I'm a people pleaser, because I'm a recovering people pleaser. And I think something that I've noticed recently that I do is that I use my own body out of habit as a tool for someone else to masturbate with. Like, Mm. so instead of being an active participant in sex, I will just be like, I'll just allow someone to use my body 
to masturbate with you know what I mean and I'll just be like yeah that's fine because at least you got your nut and I'm trying to just make sex more of like a mutual pleasure thing as opposed Mm -hmm. to just like a thing where the other person is being pleasured and my pleasure is from making him pleasure you know Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, that's definitely a thing we're, we're leaving in 2018. We're just learning. We are learning. I just wish that the people who we're attracting into our lives are also doing the work. Because it's getting really tired to have to self-analyze, self-critique, <laughs> learn, grow, theorize, rationalize, you know, protect my space, reduce harm. All for people who aren't doing the same. It's really unfair and I'm over it. Mm-mm. Not in 2019. Well, on that note, now that we've dissected all the things, thank you guys for listening. Grazie. And don't forget to follow us on SoundCloud, Apple Music, and iTunes. No, no, no. SoundCloud, Apple Music, and Spotify. Give us a five-star rating and a really nice review because it helps us make more content and will help us bring you our very first live event and international tour speaking it into existence thank you guys so much for listening make sure you're following us on instagram the handle is at bobo and flex on instagram and we now have a youtube channel called bobo and flex so subscribe so you can actually watch us in the flesh before you actually see us in the flesh Thank you again for listening. We love you so much. And we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Mom deserves the best. And there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.